0: Hello and welcome to the Replatform Platform Podcast. Thanks for dialing back in. I've uh, got a really interesting uh, episode for you today. Uh, it's going to be very interesting for me because it's a, it's a platform I don't know a massive amount about. So we are talking about uh, payments again and we've got uh, Reach joining us. Uh, Reach is an international payments platform. It's API based, and they position themselves as open up relevant local pricing and payment methods. And they've got a pretty strong value proposition, which is, Eliminating cross border fees for merchants and shoppers and improving authorization rates. So, that's obviously two critical areas of uh, payment that e commerce teams are really uh, targeting. So, I've known, for Re- known about Reach for a while. Paul has, uh, has worked with much more closely than I have, but I've never had the opportunity to work on a project. So, I'm looking forward to learning more. So, i um, joined as always by Paul. Paul, how are you doing, mate? I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Enjoying the sunshine and uh, hoping that uh, that I can get out to the fresh air uh, a bit later on. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're joined by Matt Steinbucker today from uh, from Reach. So Matt's VP of Platforms and Partnerships. So welcome, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for taking the time. So yeah, I guess give give our listeners an intro. So some of them will have heard of you, some won't. So um, are you, who are you and what do you do? But what, what is Reach? How how would you position yourselves in the market uh, c- compared with other payment providers?
1: Yeah, so Reach is a global payments platform that is focused on allowing cross border, you know, pure play e commerce sellers to scale their international, um, you know, sort of payments offering as well as purchasing journey uh, with a relatively light touch from their side. So we really help with a lot of the complexity of global treasury management. Uh, entity management, plugging in lots of different payment gateways, things like that. We help simplify that process as much as possible, so retailers can just kind of focus on you know, doing what they do best and selling their products.
2: Great. Um, so I guess my main experience with reach has been with Shopify. Um, can you just talk us through, and I guess with that, like our clients have generally come to you to solve quite specific problems. Um, Can you just talk us through kind of how Reach works with Shopify and some of the kind of multi-currency benefits that you have over the native handling?
1: Yeah, of course. So, a little rewind in time, Um, the history with Shopify and Reach is about four years ago, which is around the time um, I was still pretty new to Reach. Uh, we were sort of collabing with Shopify in their big push for Shopify Plus, right? And at the time that was, you get your MSM um, and of course, checkout liquid and customizing your whole storefront uh, much more so than sort of the standard Shopify checkout. And that still remains, you know, one of the value props today. But what Reach did is we were actually the first multi-currency provider. Uh, At the time, you know, there was a lot of competition coming in from Magento and Shopify payments had not rolled out their multi-currency solution for, you know, a couple years. Um, And so that's sort of how we started on the platform was really just a very basic multi-currency solution. Uh, Since then we've, you know, very seriously throttled um, our solution and the real value prop that we bring today and, and what many merchants like to utilize us for is our ability to offer multiple fixed price books. Uh, in as many currencies as they want. So we basically can do that per product, per currency across the world. And that really solves this issue that many merchants, especially if they're re-platforming from a platform like Magento or Salesforce, or of course, you know, a full cool custom API site. Um, it allows them to kind of tick the box of, I want one domain, but I need to honor my MSRP values for, you know, my distributors in XYZ markets that all operate in different currencies. And that's really one of our true value props. Further to that, of course, um, you know, outside of just the specific Shopify space, we offer lots of different payment methods within our integration. So again, it's sort of like a a one-stop shop for your cross-border sales. Um, But that is definitely one of the, the biggest value props that we provide on the Shopify platform. And we do it natively to the checkout, which just again, you know, our whole MO at Reach is basically allowing retailers to Completely control the whole shopping experience on their site, um, so it's really, really a you know attractive solution for merchants to be able to control their foreign pricing while keeping it native to their Shopify checkout.
2: So, um, so I think that's a really interesting feature, and I'd imagine that's kind of been a big uh, kind of way you've picked up a lot of customers in the past. And I know one of our mutual clients came to you as a result of that. Um, can you just talk us through how that's then managed in the back end? So, essentially, if you've got different uh price list of price books for, um, yeah, different currencies. Like how do you actually manage that within Shopify?
1: Yeah, so we built sort of a front-end UI. Uh, we basically have an app that you can utilize to basically set up, you know, we based, you know the, the two easiest ways are dynamic FX conversion. And of course, you can add markups to the exchange rate, things like that. But then you can also set your fixed price books. So we have API endpoints, of course, that you can sort of plug into Um, to allow yourself to automatically auto-update all your fixed foreign prices. But then you can also do that through a user interface in our app within Shopify. Now, one of the challenges of the Shopify platform is they don't allow third-party payment gateways to manipulate the prices in their actual backend and reporting. Um, But because Reach is not, you know, Shopify is just one of the many products that we have, Uh, we do have obviously API capabilities which really help a lot of retailers. We plug directly in with their ERP or their accounting softwares. So that way they can get that real-time revenue um, sort of reporting and reconciliation uh, directly from both the reach platform as well as Shopify.
2: Um, I Just a, a quick question on that. So I, you talk about the API there and kind of being able to um, kind of use it with other Shopify services. Um, random one but how would you um allow for the currencies to be used in transactional emails because i know that's something that i've had in the past with different payment providers
1: yeah so that again is is definitely a pain point when you're doing multi-currency within the shopify space what we do is we have a few different approaches to it Um, one is obviously we can just send sort of the foreign currency amount Uh, versus whatever Shopify would record, but what the actual consumer's currency was, as well as what the settlement currency was, if there was FX involved, we can send that in the meta fields of each transaction. Um, And that's through Shopify. So that way, if you're pulling an XML file or whatever from Shopify's end, you can feed that to you know Klaviyo or whatever um, ESP you're utilizing. We also have direct integrations with Klaviyo and a couple others as well um so that kind of allows us to send an object so you can create your email templates based on that for all of your transactions that come through reach and then of course again because everything is direct api based uh, we can you know you can basically make a query call which we will spit back all the transactional information for you to kind of parse and put in your email templates so it is an additional step um within the process but again until sort of shopify evolves and allows People to change the actual backend administrative pricing in their platform. Um, you know, it's it's just a workaround in order to get this solution working.
2: That makes sense. Um, I'd imagine that a lot of people take the emails out of Shopify when using Reach Is that would that be right? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah we we do as much as we can within Shopify's sort of standard emails, um, but you know, there's limitations to it, and especially when you start to. Most of our clients are larger merchants on Shopify Plus. Uh, they have very specific localization and global strategies. So if they have fixed price books in, say, the top five markets globally, they need to make sure that all of their marketing emails, you know, if they're sending out a new product, they want to make sure that it says 100 USD and 80 pound and 90 euro and 150 CAD. Right. And all of those prices need to come from that single source of truth, which ends up being either their ERP system and reaches database or reaches database. Um, and so we we definitely do a lot of sort of custom integrations there to uh, to cater to that need as well. On top of the you know, transactional receipt emails.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Actually, I hadn't thought I didn't realize that you also had that level of uh, of integration capability um mm-hmm. uh, one of the key questions i've got is around payment methods so um yeah, I'm, I'm used to working with with different um payment platforms from agent and stripe etc so probably ones that you know that commonly come up when uh, when you're pitching for business what i'd love to know is how how, how does reach compare in terms of uh, inter- like payment methods you support and specifically around international payment methods and local payment methods
1: yeah so everything we do with our solution is is as hyper local localized as possible meaning if a customer is coming from the uk we'll actually be processing that through a uk bank like a barclays if a customer is coming from the states we would process it you know locally in the states with you know bank of america or wells fargo equivalent and so we we sort of utilize that not just for credit cards but also with paypal uh, which are obviously the two staple payment methods that you have to offer um but further to that even with cards right offering things like maestro in europe even if you're a us-based merchant is very crucial to offering you know and optimizing your sales um and so we do that across the globe of course you know local credit and debit cards are kind of status quo uh, as well as paypal but then we do offer localized payment methods so like so banking in german-speaking regions of europe of course ideal in the netherlands we have Oxo and Boleto in Mexico and Brazil, for instance, which are cash-based payment methods. We also have, you know, installments across Latin America, or commonly known as quotas, as well. And so we always are sort of hyper-localizing based on the region of wherever the shopper is to allow them sort of best practice in their purchasing
0: experience. And so I'm assuming that if you've got multiple storefronts, come back to Paul's point early, you basically you can configure with Reach which of those payment methods is enabled per storefront, and that's just done through your your uh, configuration. Is
1: it? Yeah, correct. And even through a single storefront, we do that all based on IP address uh, uh, or, wherever, okay. or there's also additional configuration. But generally, if someone from the Netherlands comes on, we're going to show them euros from the moment they land on the site. And then we're actually going to offer them ideal as a payment method when they're, you know, purchasing and checking out. Um, and so that's, that's sort of crucial to that experience. Everything is always geolocation by default, um, just as sort of a best practice. But you know, obviously we wouldn't be showing a, a Canadian ideal because they have no idea what that is. Um, so that is sort of the the idea is to make sure that that's dynamic so that it's localized to wherever the shopper is coming from.
0: And so I'm assuming a question for me, because obviously, pay, you know, different different businesses have different setups for international. It's never, if only it was all straightforward in the same setup. Um, so take a site that's got a single store from and they've got multiple currencies on there and they want to tailor the payment methods based on the currency selected. So if somebody selects US uh, Canadian dollars, uh, or uh, let's take the Euros actually. Um, and you can tailor it based on currency, can you, as well as the IP? I mean, how how flexible is it from a, a control point of view? Yeah,
1: yeah. So basically merchants can they can allow drop downs, you can do like country drop-downs, things like that. Um, obviously, if you're using localized storefronts, like a mm. .co.uk, .com, .ca, all that kind of stuff is completely localized and customized. We yeah. try to keep all of, our, all of our integrations as flexible as possible, cool. um, so that way we kind of tailor our API and our technical capabilities to whatever that merchant strategy is globally. Um, and so that gives them the flexibility of doing what they want to do while you know, we can kind of help them do what we do best.
0: So if they say they they go live and they haven't got ideal turned on and they suddenly decide, actually, we need to. we are seeing an influx of customers to our site coming from uh, Netherlands. How how does that work? Because it, I'm assuming it's pre-integrated and is it just a right turn that on as a payment method and it will then appear because the flow is already built into the, the platform? Yep, yeah, it's the flip
1: of the switch. Um, that's sort of why we focus on the, the whole plugin side of yeah. the business. <clears throat> over recent years is just with the obvious growth uh, coming from legacy, you know, completely custom built websites to these platforms. Having that sort of plug and play is very, very vital for merchants because normally for a fully custom integration to a multi-currency payment processor like us on a very heavily customized, large retail website can take quite some time, right? Whereas a plugin with Shopify, I can get you up and running in two days. Um, And so there's obviously a massive difference there, but part of having that plug-in type technology is it's just a flip of a switch for us to allow localized payment methods or new currencies and things like that. So it's very scalable um, and also allows merchants to do a phased approach, particularly if they're just dipping their toes in the water internationally, only want to start in a couple markets and then start expanding globally. Or if they just want to do a shotgun approach and hit, you know, 120
0: plus countries initially. And how does the pricing work? Do you you work on a plus plus thing? Is it standardized rates? Does it differ by payment method? Uh, Could you talk listeners through that that structure?
1: Yeah, 100%. So we do everything based on a blended price, um, which is what the the industry is definitely moving towards. Um, And we do that because we have so many different types of payment methods, um, right? Whereas a traditional credit card gateway might have interchange plus pricing. Uh, whereas, you know, for us, we generally are going to have blended prices. Now it will vary per market, right? As you guys may know, have, having spoken to other payment providers previously, you know, the cost of processing a normal Visa credit card in the UK is significantly less than it is in the US. Uh, and that's the hard cost coming from Visa. That's the true yep. interchange rate. doesn't matter if you're using WorldPay, Adjun, Stripe, Braintree, that's the hard cost. And so what we generally will do is kind of walk through a business case of, you know, what are your current costs and then what are your costs processing locally? So you don't have all those additional cross-border interchange rates um, because our model is focused on, you know, always processing locally to the customer. But we just basically take a blended percentage of every transaction. So that way it's very clear uh, for the merchants and makes it easy for them to reconcile their true cost of payment. Um, and other than that no subscription fees or setup fees or you know any monthly fees or anything like that we try to keep it other, as easy as possible
0: are there any other additional fees such as for example when um when 3ds is uh processing a transaction when sca because some of the some of the other providers you get a small pence per transaction additional fee for things like that uh, are there any other like fees related to the start, the type of transaction or the security of it
1: yeah, sometimes there are. Uh, for example, 3ds is a good example. Um, generally, we don't. We try to bake that in as much as we can to the standard cost structure. Um, but sort of as I said, with regional processing, when you're looking at processing a local Brazilian credit card uh, versus processing a 3ds transaction, um, there's there's quite a bit of a difference there. So we kind of break that down per transaction type. So that way, again, you know they sort of have a pricing schedule, and it makes it easy for financial teams to just go through and understand what their true cost is for each of these.
0: Cool, that's interesting. Thank you.
2: Um, So I have another question. So in terms of the kind of, uh, I guess, UX in Shopify, um, do you you kind of sit directly within the Shopify checkout? And is that the same for all of the payment methods?
1: Yes. So we integrate directly to Shopify's checkout. We do require Shopify Plus. As noted with things like emails, stuff like that, we generally are working with larger merchants, Um, but it is natively integrated and therefore things like, you know, discount scripts, uh, gift cards, discount codes, all that kind of good stuff, exit offers, if you have upsells in your checkout, all of that is, you know, still readily available and supported for merchants um so we try to keep it as native to the platform as possible and that's the same with credit cards paypal you know ideal whatever the customer is paying with that makes sense
2: um and i guess like our client current body um who i mentioned earlier briefly are like a massive fan of yours and i think they were probably one of your earlier customers and they're quite a big shopify plus um user Um, And I know they use Reach uh, primarily because it's allowed them uh, to kind of support payments in like emerging markets. And also it's it's one of the only solutions where they've been able to create like local feeds and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Which territories are you supporting?
1: Yeah, so uh, true to our model, we really only support markets for most of our merchants where we're actually, you know, a true competitor. Um, And so with CurrentBody, we actually help them on one of their main websites, uh, just currentbody.com. And we help them with their global reach. So all countries and currencies across the world, sort of like their rest of world site. Um, We're actually soon to launch a Middle Eastern site as well, which will cater to that market and about five local currencies um, in that region of the world. So it kind of gives them the ability to, you know, they definitely have a very nuanced, uh, localized and international strategy. So it gives them the ability to tick the box quite a bit with reach uh, by you know, offering Google feeds, like you said, to everywhere in the world, even the long tail countries like Thailand or Malaysia, um, where they might not be selling a ton to, uh, but still obviously want to cater to those markets. Um, so it's it's definitely been a, a great partnership with Current Body.
2: That makes sense. And I, just another question. So, um do a lot of your clients tend to use you on kind of a rest of world store euro store kind of those more like casual stores
1: um yeah and like yeah is that the case you know it's a uh it's a pretty even split um we have some like current body where they have lots of localized sites and we fit into a few sites very well and other sites we may not be as competitive in um definitely those merchants that utilize a single storefront and they are keen on just having, you know, I have one .com or whatever my domain is, and that's my storefront globally. We tend to be very, very competitive there, particularly for those that need those, you know, fixed MSRP values in multiple currencies and things like that. Um, but it is it is definitely a little bit of a mix. Uh, and I think. Especially with larger merchants that have been on the Shopify space for quite some time, the expansion store model is all they knew. For, for a long time um, because Reach is really the only one that does this natively to the checkout. Um, we're the only vendor that can offer that today. And so even if they have sort of launched with us, they have all this investment already built into these expansion stores that, you know, it takes them some time to sort of consolidate. Uh, and then there are some that will work with us and consolidate six stores into one within you know a, a month period of time. So it's still, it still definitely differs. Um, and there's a lot of things that come into play with that, right? Like localized language, inventory management, um, you know, merchandising, things like that. But we've, we've definitely connected with a lot of partners in the space to slowly move back towards that trend of a single storefront, you know, global presence, um, and sort of tick all those boxes. Like, you know, we recently launched a product with Findify where we can do like geolocated merchandising. So you can have a Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere catalog, or you know, Asia based, Europe based, North America based, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we'd like to tap into the ecosystem as much as we can and just kind of be flexible, but it's, uh, it's still a pretty even split across the board, um, though things do seem to be trending towards a single storefront presence.
2: Um, one last question, um, just before I let James ask his next question. Um, so I guess some of your competitors or indirect competitors, um a similar solution but they also offer fulfillment and um, i've had a few clients that have basically looked at you versus one of those uh solutions um, and they sent most of those have their own checkout i guess like do you have any plans to kind of integrate any of those types of kind of international operations
1: pieces into your offering so we have built a duty tax calculator uh Strictly by demand from our clients. Um, they really like the way that we integrated with local currencies, but duty tax, especially in the Shopify space, um, you know, over the last few years, it's definitely not been something that's readily available. And when you talk about localization and your checkout, global strategy, of course, duties and taxes is always a, another huge piece to the puzzle. And so we do offer that with all of our plugins, with Shopify as well as Magento 2 and Salesforce space. Um, so all of that, right now is focused strictly on the front end experience. We have a duty tax calculator that will give you an accurate landed cost for your customers. Um, and of course that's flexible. If you want to build it into your pricing, your fixed pricing strategy, things like that, you know, it kind of depends on the merchant, but we have built that in. However, we, we keep that carrier agnostic. And I think part of the value prop of our platform at the time being for the time being is that we are very modular. And it allows a lot of retailers who may have existing relationships direct to carrier, which oftentimes can be very advantageous for them, uh, either from a pricing standpoint or customer service or whatever it may be. Um, it kind of allows them to operate their fulfillment side of their business independently of reach uh, while getting that front end technology plug in. So they get their streamlined customer experience, but they can still handle the back end operations however they want to. Um, so for the time being, we try to keep it separate. Um, we do obviously work with lots of three PLs and direct carriers, things like that, because we are offering the duty tax calculator, but we, you know, definitely try to stick to our guns as much as we can and partner with uh, people who are better at doing their jobs than we are. So we stick to our payments.
0: We've, uh, we've talked quite a bit about uh, Shopify and, and, and Shopify Plus being a cool, one of the core cool platforms that you work with. But beyond Shopify, what other platforms uh, are you working with? And is the way that you work with them exactly the same in terms of the technical solution as Shopify? Or do you have different ways of working with other platforms? Yeah, so
1: the other two namely are Magento 2 and Salesforce Commerce Cloud. So they operate in the same way. Uh, similar sort of plugin style. They all have different names, um, you know, module for Magento too. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it, they they are all sort of plugins, and they all have the same capabilities. So they have those localized currencies. They have, you know, fixed versus dynamic pricing strategies. They have all the localized payment methods available, and they have that duty tax calculator, as as I sort of mentioned uh, a moment ago. So we do try to keep them. As aligned as we can. However, obviously, keep in mind—you know—the platforms are all significantly different, as I'm sure you guys are well aware, right? So, there there are definitely nuances to each of them. Uh, for example, we were talking about email confirmations earlier. That's not really a big deal with Magento and Salesforce, who are known to be—you know—much better at handling things like—you know—fixed MSRP values through a single storefront or handling multiple storefronts through sort of an aggregate administrative backend.
0: Yeah, so a question related to that is you've got these extensions and modules and plugins across these platforms, which speeds up development time. But from experience of working with, with other payment providers, is the, the time and effort sometimes to set up can vary from platform to platform. So, in your experience, do merchants find it quicker to, to implement Reach on top of a specific platform, or is it pretty similar in terms of complexity and time to get Reach up and running on a, a new site?
1: So the time of integration definitely does vary per platform. Shopify is definitely the easiest. It can generally take two days for a very simple integration, but it can also take a few weeks depending on the complexity and how they want to set things up. With Magento 2 and Salesforce, there's absolutely no one-size-fits-all solution. Uh, same with Shopify. And so what we try to define our plugins as is it gets you you know, 70% of the way, 80% of the way. But of course, there's going to be additional customizations that each merchant has to do based on their strategy for every market or however they want to plug us in. And of course, the complexity of their strategy you know, overflows to the complexity of the actual integration itself. Um, but we do work with lots of different agencies across each of the platforms. That sort of allow us to give them familiarity with our plugin, um, and that really definitely helps merchants um, in terms of integration timeframes and making sure that you know what they expect is, is obviously delivered uh, through our technology.
0: And have you found that working on with non-SaaS platform like, uh, like Magento open source um, for example, do you find that creates more complexities for a, a, a third party like Reach? Because as you said, the there's not a standard implementation of it, right? Whereas with Salesforce, the core underlying application is SaaS with Shopify plus SaaS. And therefore you've got that consistency. Does that create efficiencies from, from reach implementation point of view, or is it just too varied? Um, it really depends. It, it, I would say,
1: of course, it really depends on the actual infrastructure that the merchant has in place for their site. Um, if they do have a pretty solid development team or agency that they're working with, generally a fully customized you know, type of integration on a non-SaaS platform is something that can be really smooth. And oftentimes, people who have those types of setups have built very complex back-end business models and operations for a reason, because there's something within their business that's generally too nuanced. Uh, other times it's too legacy. Uh, and, and that's always a complexity, right? Um, but in general, you know, we do find, we do find sort of the SaaS side a little bit easier in terms of plug and play, because like I said, it gets you that 70% of the way. But the open source definitely gives you a lot more flexibility and, you know, um, really just the the customization that these merchants can use our API to build whatever they're trying to achieve within their website or their shopping experience
0: and for for platforms where you don't have an existing plugin i think say for example say big commerce i don't think you've mentioned them have you for a plugin? no not um, as of right now so say say hey, you've got a uh, an e-commerce team that 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 comes to reach and says look we really love what you've got we think your platform's perfect for our international payments we're on big commerce what is what are their options? So, do you have any case studies where people have done this, where you've implemented it on a platform where you don't have an existing plugin, or is it really a they need? You need to work the plugin um, in order to use the solution. Yeah, we we've built the majority of our
1: business based on fully custom integrations. Um, we have worked with you know platforms like WooCommerce before, where we've had a larger client that maybe was either replatforming or just you know, heard of us, knew that we solved a lot of the pain points and could tick a lot of the boxes as a partner for them, and basically requested that, you know, we build a a full integration to their site, and it's absolutely possible. Uh, Of course, the business case must be there, right? But we don't only focus on the plugin side of our business. Um, In fact, the majority of our business does tend to be more direct API integrations uh, between the various platforms that that retailer might be using and, of course, our our core platform.
2: That makes sense. Um, And I guess just in terms of those other platforms that we've talked about, all of them, um, like how does the functionality differ? Because I'd imagine like with Shopify, obviously, you've got that kind of multi-currency limitation and the need for kind of separate price books. How would presumably very few people would use that on a Salesforce or a Magento? Um, So it does the kind of functionality differ. Um, on those platforms?
1: Yeah, it does differ slightly. Uh, like in the Magento and Salesforce space, it's easier to set up that fixed price book model, uh, but because our API, because our implementations, our, our core platform can handle it due to the way that we've obviously integrated with custom merchants, but also in like the Shopify instance, we have the ability to sort of mold whatever that merchant needs, but it it does vary. so. We have that core functionality, but most people wouldn't use it in a Magento 2 instance if they already have, you know, five storefronts and they can set fixed prices uh, between the five currencies that they need to. They're still utilizing reach as their primary payment gateway uh, for cards and PayPal and localized payment methods, but they don't necessarily need that, you know, functionality that we sort of deliver within the Shopify space specifically. So there's definitely some nuances between the each of the platforms and the way that they're integrated but overall sort of the value prop of being able to offer that type of solution is still there across each of our uh, products
2: that makes sense um moving on slightly so uh, on your website you mention a fraud solution um can you just talk like how does that work like and yeah what is that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so everything we do is, is always hyper localized to wherever the consumer is. Um, so by pinpointing where that customer is, processing it locally through an acquiring bank or acquiring channel um, in their country, same thing goes with our fraud. So we have lots of different fraud providers plugged into our core platform. And when an authorization comes through, whether it's from Mexico or Australia or Malaysia or Saudi Arabia, we will pinpoint to wherever that customer is and utilize localized fraud rules, which of course are applicable to that merchant's demographic and the industry. Um, and then further, you know, building the relationship with the merchant, kind of understanding the nuances of their consumers and then building those rules around them. So we have lots of different technologies plugged into the back end, And we do offer that usually for uh, an additional fee. Um, and we can do that because we have a full fraud team. Um, all around the world that will basically allow us to dig into each of these and handle manual reviews and so it's a little bit different in certain cases um, mainly because of the fact that we have the incentive in our pricing structure we don't get paid unless the merchant gets paid so we have the incentive to kind of squeeze through as many of those legitimate transactions as possible while also not having the incentive of getting a chargeback because chargebacks are bad for everyone um, so we do build that into our system and we do have quite a bit of flexibility where you know, we can take on liability, where the merchant can take on liability, um, but it does allow them to not necessarily look at North American fraud rules from a global perspective. It allows them to you know, really kind of hyper-localize to each of those countries and you know, sometimes even cities to allow us to kind of take on that fraud and, and fight all these rings and you know, fraudsters around the world.
0: So I've got one final question that I'd be really intrigued. Is is where where's Reach going? So what's in the roadmap? Uh, is the plan to increase functionality? Are there additional payment methods? Like what what might the next twelve months look like for you?
1: Yeah, I would say we're always trying to keep on top of payment methods as much as we can, um, and try to whenever we integrate with payment methods, we offer them in every market that are available, even when particular merchants wouldn't be able to offer them in those markets. Uh, Afterpay is a very large one that's on our list. Um, Klarna will be launching with us soon. Um, We have quite a few, you know, that continue to pop up. So we kind of keep our eyes on that within the market uh, because these things happen very quickly sometimes. And we try to keep those under our, under our scope as much as possible. So that's always a very core focus of our roadmap. Uh, Further to that, just always, always, always looking at consumer behavior. Um, Obviously, payment methods are a huge trend of consumer behavior and and are good indicators of the way that, you know, purchasing behavior changes across countries and how quickly it can change, especially with things like the recent pandemic we've had. Um, and, And really just understanding that our technology and our checkout process is always up to date and best practice. And many times that's working with a lot of the leading retailers in each of those countries, whether it be Brazil or Saudi Arabia or Australia, but we really look at their domestic purchasing journey and try to mimic our checkout experience as much as we can. So that way, a merchant that's just based in say Vancouver, Canada, has the ability to offer that best practice globally through one partner without having to go through all of that. So always research on what's current best practice of the market. And further to that, I'd say number three is education. Um, Really trying to educate the market. We have a very, very nuanced payment processing model. We are not a direct competitor of like a Stripe or an Agent or a WorldPay. Um, We do things a little bit differently. We focus on cross-border. We try to educate our merchants as much as possible about our processing model and why it increases approval rates or authorization rates it you know helps streamline the consumer experience eliminates hidden fees for your customers lots of things like that that actually do have a massive impact on bottom line revenue for their companies we try to educate them as much as possible and so we're always constantly trying to push new material out uh, whenever we can to our blogs or to our partners to really just Help merchants understand the global landscape, which is by no means easy. Um, and I'd say that's that's pretty much our
0: future. So, yeah, it's a pretty good a- ambition that to simplify the the global payments landscape. That's that's a small challenge, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: we try our best. <laughs>
0: no, it's, I mean it makes sense because it's it's one of the most complicated parts of a process when working with a company that's trying to expand internationally. Is it's not just understanding what payment methods they want to offer, but what the implications are, um, in terms of costs, um, for them to understand how they do reconciliation across different, um, countries, what the implications are of, of settling in different currencies. So, yeah, ha- having somebody helping do that at the ground level, so it's pre-built platform is a massive benefit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We try to demystify it as much as we can because there's so much, complexity that goes into it and there's so many unknowns especially with things like tax regulations and pieces like that ever changing um we, we just try to partner with people that are you know looking for uh, a great way to sort of leverage our knowledge to boost
0: their business cool paul um that i've covered up all the questions i want to that's brilliant cause I've, um, and thanks Matt. i've learned a lot today which is really really useful uh, paul is there anything else that, that you wanted to cover
2: no, no, I think that's um, really good. Yeah, you've covered loads. And I think, um, yeah, Reach has got a really nice proposition as, um, yeah, kind of solving a problem that no one else really seems to be able to solve, particularly on the Shopify side. And then I think it's a really nice alternative to um, some of the like international kind of um, as-a-service solutions, I guess, um, if you can kind of fulfill the product yourself. So, yeah, really, I've been really impressed by it so far. So, yeah, really, really good, really good episode.
1: Yeah,
0: thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Excellent. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening in. Hopefully, that's given you a really good flavor for, for what Reach is, how the platform works, where it fits in the market. Uh, and Matt, if anyone's got any follow-up questions and wants to learn a bit more or got something questions specific to their particular uh, uh, business, what's the best way to reach out to you or to Reach?
1: Yeah, you can either come to our website and... Uh, click on our contact submission form and I'll, I'll be sure to see those inbounds uh, or you're obviously welcome to hit me up on LinkedIn, especially if you're ever just curious, if you want an audit on your current website or your current global strategy or unsure about certain things, we like to do lots of free education and consultations. That's how we try to win our business. So we're always happy to get out there and, uh, and give out free education.
0: Amazing. Well, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to jump on the call with us. Uh, I know it's early morning over in, in uh, Texas for you, so we'll, we'll leave you in peace to enjoy your day. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone else for listening. And if you do have questions, do reach out to Matt or give me and Paul a shout.